Welcome everyone to another episode of the High and Wide Radio Show. I'm your host, Angry Jim, here as always with Jack and Kyle. Jack and Kyle, how you guys doing tonight, man? Doing all right, Jimmy. Living the dream. Feeling a lot better than last week. You are. I, I was going to ask you about that, Kyle. You had a rough week last week. Oh, it was horrible, but it's over with. Hopefully, I'm out of the woods. You're off the uh, the IR, the DL, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a, a special guest tonight, a, a fellow Jim, former Flyer, former New Jersey Devil, boo, Jim Dowd. <laughs> <laughs> Jim, thanks for joining us tonight, man. It's a real real treat to have you on. Uh, how's it going? Oh, it's excellent, man. Thanks for having me, guys. I got to be careful here with the New Jersey Devils Philadelphia Flyers thing, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, I have some notes here about your your long storied career, Jimmy. And you played for how many teams? Ten NHL teams. Yeah, ten teams in seventeen years. That's amazing, man. What what was that like? Um, it was great, actually. It was uh, looking back on it at the time, it was uh, a little weird moving around so much. But now, just we made so many great friends. I mean, anywhere we go, basically in North America, all over Europe, we'll know somebody. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, I never thought I'd play uh, college hockey, let alone the NHL, let alone for 17 years. So, and to play for two local teams, yeah, you, know, you know, for the most part, you know. Um, so, but I loved every second of it. That's amazing, because you know what. Uh, you hear a lot of guys uh, coming up, they want to play for the same team, blah, 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 their whole life. But when you look at it from that perspective, getting to play for so many teams, meeting so many people, I mean, isn't that what what it's really all about is is building relationships and, exper- and experiencing things? Yeah, definitely. That's a huge part of it. And uh, believe me, I would have loved to have, you know, I was with New Jersey for five years, Minnesota for four. I mean, it was great. And then, you know, some bunch of one-year stints here as I got older, Um you know, and the game changed and all that. So, but I wouldn't have traded it for anything. You know, again, I would have loved to play it in one place for, for 10 years or something, but it is what it is. It's just whatever's meant to be is meant to be. That's how I look at things. So, you know, I never thought in a million years I'd play for the Flyers, especially my last season at 40 years old. So, uh, <laughs> but what, uh, I mean, I grew up, I grew up in Brick, New Jersey, which is right on the borderline. Like uh, I was a Ranger fan growing up till 82 and then the Devils moved here. So I said, okay, great. I was 13 years old. You know, we didn't have a baseball, football, anything. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'll be a Devils fan. You know, and we and, and we're on that border of you either love the Flyers or you hate them. And, and we hated them as a family growing up. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you one thing, playing for them my last season was amazing. I mean, if you're a Flyers fan, you can never be mad at the ownership there. You know? Uh, I mean, yeah. Ed Schneider was incredible for the fans, the, the players, the families. He was all about family and the fans and everything. And uh, we all know the long history of the Flyers since they won those cups is the, you know, since Pelly Lindbergh died and Hextall had that good rookie year, they just, their goaltending has been a nightmare. Mm. Hey, Jim, that's interesting you brought that up. And, and, and I'm sorry, do you, do you need to get that real quick? No, not at all. Okay. Nope. Um, it's interesting it you brought that up, and, I, and I'm going to kind of take this a different route real quick. But you mentioned the whole family thing while you played for the Flyers. You know, we've done shows, and what we've seen over the last maybe two, three years is that's all kind of died from this current team. Um, do, you, do you still follow the Flyers at all? Or are you oh, mainly? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you see that, or is there is there a clear difference to you in the way this team operates? You know what? I mean, my last season was 07, 08. Um, so I've been done for what? 10, going on 10 years now. I mean, I, 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 I'm not on the inside like I used to be. You know, I'm still really, you know, raw, uh, nasty, the head equipment guy and Jim McCrossin and, you know, uh, 
But I don't know as far as that goes. I, I think it might be getting back to that. But I did hear, you know, some things have changed. But, you know, Mr. Snyder was just incredible. And every single home game, win or lose, he'd come in and shake your hand. You know, and you guys saw him enough. Uh, you know, he was literally all about the players, the players' families, wives, kids, girlfriends, and the fans. And it was a family atmosphere down there. You know, so I can't answer that question, you know, okay. to any long extent. You know, hopefully it hasn't changed. But, you know, and if it did, hopefully it gets back to that because that's a huge part of it. I mean, it is, you're all one big family, the fans and the players, everybody. If it wasn't for the players, the fans wouldn't be there. If it wasn't for the fans, the players wouldn't be there. So, it, you know, it goes hand in hand with each other. That's really interesting you brought that up. So, you know, clearly it sounds like if the owner cares about the players and, and makes you feel comfortable, uh, it makes a clear difference for you. Um, off the top of your head, and you don't have to name any names, uh, were you with an organization where you didn't feel like that? And did that affect – um, you and, and possibly the other players in the locker room? Um, no, nah, I mean, for the, for the most part, all, all pro sports teams are pretty much, you know, to some extent about you know, the family, you know, and, and the fans. Okay. I mean, when I was at the island, it was a cluster. I mean, you know, that was when um, Millbury was there, and it was just, uh, <laughs> I mean, they're still reeling from that from that you know what i mean um that was pretty much a bizarre stint i was only there for two weeks but it was just a real bizarre two weeks you know to say the least um but for the most part like i said it, it's most of the gms and the owners i believe genuinely care about the guys you know and then obviously when you get traded or something like that it's a business but for the most part you know they generally care about you that that's pretty cool to hear i mean for us, I mean, we all grew up with Ed Snyder. I mean, uh, he's he's a god to us, basically. So yep. when, when he passed away, I mean, it just seems like things have only gone south for the organization where now, I mean, I don't want to talk about this too much, but it just feels more, has the corporate feel now, you know what I mean? Yes, yes. I, I know exactly what you mean, and it's a huge conglomerate down there, you know. So hopefully, you know, they can get that uh, that you know, old school feeling back in the, in the arena, outside the arena, everywhere. Because mm -hmm. I, I did hear when he passed away, I don't know who took over. You know what I mean? Nobody knows. Right. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's... I don't think anybody to this day knows who took over. Do you guys know <laughs> who passed away, right? It's And it, it, that's probably it was, why it has the corporate feel. Yeah, Maybe they just give us some corporate. names, but they don't mean nothing to us. And well, now that Holgram's done, we really don't know what's going on. Hey, now, is he? I love Homer. He's great, man. He, he's really good to me. He's in the organization still at doing something, right? Or no? He's, he's like semi-retired, basically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's this Dave Scott guy who came from Comcast. So I don't even know if he knows anything about hockey. He, yeah. For all I know, it's all about ticket sales. You know, we really which don't know. Fine, which is fine, and you should separate the two, you know? Yeah, and we just don't we just don't know. So like, what worries me is that he about ticket sales in the sense where if we bring in enough – names people know and enough changes to the team where people will just start showing up thinking we're better or because i like the snyder guy obviously who's like i know who's better and i know who's going to put this team over the top and that's what we're about to find out this year yeah yeah the best part about him is like i said every home game he was there and he'd shake your hand he just was into it like this was that was his baby the flyers well is i don't know if you know this but if, if this is true let me know i heard he had a phone <laughs> from uh, his box, and it was red for whatever reason. And if he got, had an issue, he would just pick up this phone. He wouldn't dial. It would go straight to the GM, and he would just complain about whatever he had to complain about. <laughs> you hear I anything about that? That's, that's, uh, 
know, you know, who knows? Maybe that's how much he was. <laughs> you know, and he was around from the big from day one. I try to tell people all the time: read the story about Mr. Schneider, how he got the Flyers. No one believed in him, and he was the only one that believed in it. Mortgaged everything, his house, everything, and no one gave me a dime. It's an incredible story, you know. And the rest is history. So, and just the way he carried himself, it was just awesome, you know. For sure, yeah. I feel like I feel like the the league used to fear Snyder a little bit, so they kind of would leave us alone because it's kind of known that they weren't the league itself wasn't huge fans of the Flyers, uh-huh. except for when the Soviets started beating everybody. But that's yeah. a different. Story. It's funny they they have to act like they're not fans of the Flyers, but they really were when you think about it. That's what I mean. Flyers, the Flyers could be in last place and they'll still pack the house. Exactly. We're the Dark Knights. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Not the White Knights, but the Dark Knights. They have to say in the media, you know, maybe they don't like them, but behind closed doors, they love the Flyers. Let's, uh, I guarantee that. At the end of the day, it's the bottom line. Day, they're, they're, to this day, they're trying to get fighting out of hockey. But what's the most popular thing when it's talked about? Fighting. Oh, yeah. Hockey. You know what I mean? You know, they're trying to get it out. And that's, you know, so i'm sure i'm, I'm sure uh, i know i know the league like the flyers they just couldn't say it <laughs> that's what it is it's like we're the the ugly sister you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true but you don't know necessary um uh, i have to ask you uh you said you became a devil's fan in 82 so like you just got every little boy's dream what was it like being drafted by them in 87 yeah, it was great. Like, like I said, I grew up one of seven kids in Brick, New Jersey. Um, and my senior year of high school, I had committed to Lake Superior State University. And then the coach actually called me, Frank Anzalone, who changed my I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Frank Anzalone. Well, there's a few people, but he's one of them. Uh, he was a guy that took a chance on me in 1987 out of New Jersey when nobody from around here was going anywhere in hockey. If you weren't Back then, if you weren't from Minnesota, Massachusetts, Chicago, or Detroit, you know, good luck, right? Uh, but he took a chance on me and, uh, you know, uh, the rest is history. And, uh, and then he called me the day of the draft or the day before the drafts in, in 1987, it was June. He said, you know, you're probably going to get drafted. I said, you know, I didn't believe him. You know what I mean? Cause like I said, I, I, I only one school talked to me. That was it, you know, offered me. And then I said to myself, I never told anybody this. I said, you know what? Okay. Well, if I'm going to get drafted back then, there were 12 rounds in the draft. 12. Okay. 12. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to get drafted, the only team I don't want to get drafted by is the Devils because I figured it would have been a charity pick. Uh, so I, got, I, w- I wasn't even paying attention, wasn't watching the draft. So when I got drafted, I got a phone call, the Devils, you know, and I was drafted <laughs> in, the, in the eighth round. So I was like, and I'm always, you know, spinning things to the positive side, right? I don't like negativity. And uh, I was like, oh, great. All right. Well, I guess. I got drafted in the eighth round. It wasn't the 12th, so it's not a cherry pick. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. It was an amazing feeling, you know, being the first and only New Jersey native to do what I did. And then actually, you know, I mean, I had posters of John McClain and Kenny Danica was driver on my wall, and, and, you know, in high school. And then a few years later, playing with them, not only playing with them, but winning a Stanley Cup, which was great. Yeah, what was that like going in that locker room for the first time and seeing these guys you idolized? Me like, oh, my, I'm a teammate now. Like, I'm, I made it, like – you know, not to mention you were eighth round pick and you made it to the NHL. Like what was all that, that whole ride? Like, Oh, it was great, man. It was amazing. And I'll never forget, you know, uh, Slava Fatisov, the first Russian ever was over. He was in the lot. I'm like, this, what do you, you know, I remember watching the, the U S beat the Soviets when I was 12 years old, you know, and then actually Herb Brooks was our first, my first pro coach ever. He was, uh, we had like eight or nine of us that panned out from the 1987, 88, 89 draft. 
So Lou Amarella brought Herb in for the minors to teach us basically how to be a professional, you know? So getting sent down was like, oh, this is great, man. I'm going to play for Herb Brooks as opposed to, oh, I'm getting sent down to the minors, you know? But they were loaded up there anyway. I mean, you remember those old Flyers and Devils teams? They were loaded from top to bottom, and most guys started in the minors unless you were a Scott Niedemeyer or a Lindros or those guys. Wow. What was, what was it like playing with a guy like um... – Scott Stevens is actually who came to mind for me, and Marty Bordeaux for that matter. Oh, it was awesome. Marty and I played our first – he played – my second year pro was his first year pro. We played a whole season together in the minors. We got up one game. You know, we got we played our first NHL game together. Um, and then, you know, obviously he got up. I got up full-time my, my third year in 93-94. But it, Marty, awesome. I try to tell people all the time, this guy, uh, unbelievable, just never took a practice off, always smiled. Let him five goals in a row. He'll stop the next 50 shots. You know, it didn't bother him. Scott Stevens, showed, same thing, showed up every day, never took a day off, worked hard, and it was all about business. I mean, when you got a guy like that working that hard and the way he plays, he was just all about business and just doing the right things over and over and over again. You know, like I said, I, I learned from some of the best. Does that help elevate your role in the locker room? Everybody. Like, like- everybody. It's not even for everybody. Everybody, you know what? Uh, 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 since we're to a Flyers thing here, it's it's like having like a Rick Tockett in the locker room. Uh, Again, Rick Tockett. Everybody knows he never took a day off. He wasn't a prima donna. He worked his ass off, and you just wanted to. You didn't want to let him down. You know that's the thing. You don't want to let those guys down, especially when you're a young guy. You know, and uh, I mean, the list goes on and on with guys like that with the Flyers. I was just talking to somebody the other day about the Flyers. I can't even. I, I still can't believe they haven't won a Stanley Cup since you know the seventies. They've had some unbelievable teams, like unreal teams where if they would have won one cup, they probably could have won three or four. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And it's it's uh, it's tough because we were we may not have won the cup, but we were so good in the late '90s and early yeah. 2000s to come away with nothing, and then there we are back again in you know 2010, still nothing to show for it. And then after like 2012, we had like. We've had what almost a decade of pretty poor hockey. It's like yeah. shocking. Yeah, Even but seven oh eight was my last year. We went to the conference finals. That was like the beginning because oh six oh seven. Remember, the Flyers came in dead last in the Eastern Conference. And I remember that well because I was at a fan appreciation night and the team scored on themselves to lose. It was <laughs> terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's why I said before the league loves the Flyers because in oh six oh seven, if you look back. They were still consistently getting 15,000 fans a game in dead last place. You know, diehards, man. I know. That's why I said the league loves the Flyers, you know, no matter what they say. Because they branded themselves great and they have a great organization, you know. But but for them, like I said, if they would have won one cup in those years, they probably could have got two or three more. Yeah. So, I I mean, not to bash on the Devils at all, but – I mean, you've had to play in front of some empty stands, I suppose, with the Devils. I mean, you, you watch them now, especially. Yeah, it's hit or miss here in New Jersey, you know what I mean? And it's been that way for a long time, you know? Um, it's it, it's getting a little better. It's getting better and better. Obviously, well, with Jack Hughes and what's happening now, ticket sales, you know, are moving. But it's just tough. They're caught in between because the Flyers, in a, they're in a perfect spot, even though they're only an hour away. 
but it's a whole different world down there in South Jersey. It's not, I, I call it Pennsylvania, South, you know, North Pennsylvania, South Jersey, you know? Um, <laughs> and, and it's, uh, it's all Flyers, Eagles, Sixers, Phillies. It's like they're in the Midwest. You know what I mean? There's not no one else to root for, but they branded themselves great, put up good teams right off the bat. And they've been consistent through the years. And then you got the devils up here that are literally a couple miles from the Rangers, not too far from the Islanders. And they're the fourth team to come around. It's just, it's just it is what it is. They have to work that much harder at getting uh, people in the seats. There's well, no the problem is, when they play the Flyers, Islanders, or Rangers, you know. Well, the thing is, though, they got since 95 to, I think, 2005, they got, what, two, three cups in that that time span. Yes. Yeah, and it, it's – 95 to 03. Yeah, and, it, you know, and possibly the greatest goalie of all time, which I did want to ask you about. Uh, in, in your book, and I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask anyway. Uh, is he the greatest goalie of all time, Brodor? Yeah, and here's why I say that. Because people say, you know, oh, he had this great team with him and that, all this. Well, I say, okay, well, did you ever look at the 06, 07 team for the Devils? Like, what do you mean? I go, take a look at the team. that they brought. I was 39 years old. They brought me back for a year. That was the year. If you look at that team on paper, you're like, huh? You know, we lost in the second round of the playoffs. But if you look at that team on paper – not a good team. And uh, Marty had – that's the year he broke Bernie Perrant's single-season wins record. Nobody even talks about that. That's a double know? sting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, and actually, it, 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 it happened in Philly. I, I had the game-winning oh. goal. We won 3-2, a game-winning shorthanded goal. We won 3-2. And, uh, you know, that was the game that Marty broke Bernie's record. So, And, and they changed, the bottom line is they changed the rule because of him. And if, you, if, if the whole league changes the rule because of you, you must be pretty good. It's funny he's that you say one that. Of the, he's arguably one of the top three goalies. Yeah, it's funny that you said I have a friend who wasn't big into hockey, but he did say he's like because he's big into fantasy, and he's like, I like how Wayne Gretzky in the 80s, um, he had different – he had the four and four uh, – the double minor rule changed because of him. He was too yes. good. You know, and the trapezoid is still in effect because of Brodeur. So – yeah, I get what you're saying. If somebody who doesn't even watch hockey sees a player who changed the rule where it's actually marked on the ice, yeah. that's got to be pretty impressive. So, oh yeah, I had I did have to ask. I figured you would say that, but it was interesting yeah, to get you your know take. What? And like I said, obviously it's it's there's so many great players at each position, but he's arguably one of the best. You know, what I mean, it's almost like flip a coin. You know, I mean, you look back to some of the old guys. You know that were unbelievable that that paved the way, but in his generation, I think he's him and Rua and Hasek. You know, I mean, there's so many good ones, but I still think he's way better than Rua. How about where do you put him with a uh, Hasek? Because that's that was one of my top goalies to watch. Yeah, he's good. He's great. Hasek is great. Good. I'm, I'm happy to hear you say that. But yeah, you made a very good point for Brodeur. Uh That by the way, when he. Uh, they lost. You got. They lost in the second round. I think you said oh six oh seven. That was that the year that um, what's his name from the Rangers was uh, putting his his stick in front of his. No, face? no, that was it. No, that was a couple years after that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, was, oh, was I wasn't year, sure. A year after. Yeah. Or a couple okay. Years after that. Yeah, Avery. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, I couldn't. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have to ask you. You were drafted in eighty seven. So what was it like? Like you see how they cover the draft now. Like it's it's a, an event, yeah. and it all started with the NFL, and obviously all the other leagues picked up in '87. Especially being drafted later as you were, was it? What was it like? Did you were you even invited to the draft? Did you get a phone call? Like how did it work? 
No, no, nothing. My college coach told me I, I probably, I'm probably going to get drafted. I didn't even pay attention to the draft. And, uh, uh, and you know, I got, I got a call from Marshall Johnson. You know, I think it was around 5 o'clock, you know. Um, and he was the director of player personnel for the Devils. That's how I found out. You know what I mean? And then I uh, was heading to a party that night. <laughs> I was going to say, so he was just home one night, phone rings. Hey, you have a message. It's this guy. You've been and drafted by New Jersey Devils yeah. um, training yeah. camps this day. Yeah, yeah, I was still uh, – that's back when there was no cell phones or anything, so I was still at home, and phone rang. I wasn't even waiting for a call. I wasn't even paying attention. I don't even think it was on TV. No, it wasn't, 1987. So that's that's how it happened. Yeah, totally different nowadays, right? All the, the four main – I would have had a whole scouting report on you, and who am I? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's unbelievable. They have seven rounds now, and like, I'm going through with my boys, my – my oldest son's 19. He's committed to Penn State, plays in the USHL for Chicago Steel. Um, and my youngest son, Anthony, I'm still coaching him. So and he's, you know, loving it and getting really good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, I have to ask, um, you played for a lot of teams. Um, were there any players, you don't have to name drop, it'd be cool if you did, <laughs> that you loved, which we've got a few of those, but also you just, you just couldn't stand because you played with an awful lot of talent. Yeah, you know what? Um, love Claude Lemieux. God damn it. That was awesome. He would take the young guys out, you know what I mean? Um, he was great. What a just great guy, you know what I mean? Uh, Alexander McGillney was awesome. See, I'm, I'm relating it to both on and off the ice, you know? Um, obviously, Claude Lemieux, you know, that's a guy you want on your team, you know? And, uh, and off the ice, he was great, man. He was a great you know, veteran, you know, like I said, it would take uh, us young guys and this big thing into the city, into New York City, five or six of us, we'd pile on the back, go in. And then uh, Alexander McGillney was just a great guy. You know, I mean, tons of them. Like I said, even Scott Stevens, like, you know, like, you know here I am, a kid from Jersey, just watching these kids growing up in, in, in awe. You know, I wasn't even thinking about college hockey, let alone the NHL. Um, but who are some other ones? I mean, there there's just so many, so many good ones uh, and great guys, both on and off the ice. You know, uh, how about uh, anybody with your uh, your last season with the Flyers? Anybody jump out to you right away? Oh, yeah. Those guys were awesome. I loved all those guys. Scotty Upshaw, Lupul, uh, Carter, Mike Richards, um, Darian Hatcher. You know, we're, we're the same age. Well, that was a tight knit group. You know what I mean? You, know, you don't go to the conference finals without being tight, you know, uh, especially after being in last place the year before the team. But Mike Knubel. I mean, that team, I'm, I, I know I'm probably missing some guys in there. But uh, Riley Cote became one of my great friends. You know what I mean? Still talk to him to this day. We just yeah. had him on. We had him on not that long ago. Yep. He's just – I'm so happy for him. I'm, I'm so happy he's doing well after hockey, and uh, he deserves it. And that, that was a very good, tight-knit group, you know, and a, and a reason why we, we did so well. You know, we beat the Capitals in overtime in the first round, game seven in Washington, Lupul scored. And then we beat Montreal in five games. We cleaned them up pretty easy. And then friggin' the nemesis, Penguins, huh. lost lost in five. That's when Timo Timonen was out for the whole playoff, right? He got yeah, hurt. And I think Coburn got a nasty. Yes, two of our best defensemen, you know, and we just didn't have enough left in the tank. It's funny you bring that up, though, because we just had a trivia question about that Capitals game. I asked these two guys who the goaltender was for the Capitals, and uh, I lost that bet. I was shocked. I didn't think they knew who that was. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, hey, hey, Jimmy, I got a question for you. Yeah. So, uh, 
you said you play with Riley Cote and you guys were really tight. Um, playing for all these teams and uh, over the years, would you say playing on the ice, knowing there's a player like Cote out there with you made things easier? Yeah, for sure. There's no question. That was a part of the game. And it wasn't necessarily fighting, you know, but you knew that you could do whatever you wanted, you know. Um, you know, because remember, my when I first came into the league, I was, you know, I, got, I used to get called up for the power play with the Devils. Just come up for the power play, get sent back down to the mic. And, hold, and I was, you know, top six, nine guy. And then my you know, last third of my career, you know, a role player, you know, killing penalties, um, taking face-offs and, you know, and making sure that my line, the third or fourth line, whatever it was, was, you know, a productive line, not getting scored on and chipping in every now and then. But, you know, Matt Johnson's one of my best friends, played with him for four years, obviously Riley Cote and these guys, you know, it's, I mean, that's totally out of the game now. And I'm sure you guys see the biggest difference is nobody's scared anymore and nervous. Nobody. What's there to be nervous or worried about? I'll give you an example. You know, when I first came in with the Devils, you know, we were going to play the Flyers. So we'd, we'd go down the night before. we stay in the hotel right in the city, get up, have our pregame skate, come back to the hotel. Then we'd go back down to the rink. The game was at 7 o'clock. The bus would leave at 4. We'd all get on the bus, go down to the rink. You couldn't hear a pin drop. You know, we had Scott Stevens, Kenny Danico, Randy McKay, Mike Peluso. I mean, holy cow. You know, Bobby Holy. We had Billy Guerin, all these guys. Um, you know, the first three or four I mentioned obviously would shit kick anybody. Um and these guys are like nervous, like every, you know, going in to play the Flyers. And I'm sure the Flyers were the same way. Now you fast forward to my last, my last two seasons, 06 and 07, when I came back for the Devils, and 07, 08, when I played for the Flyers. It was like going to a youth hockey game, you know, on the bus, going to play the Flyers and the Devils, just another game. Nobody's really totally different. Just, just picture, you know, Rick Tockett and, and Dave Brown and these guys being nervous before games, you know what I mean? Cause you know, it's going to be a bloodbath. Like, and it wasn't like they wanted to run out and go fight somebody. I don't think anybody wanted to, but it was part of the chess match. You know what I mean? And who's going to mess with who's superstar first and all that. Or if you went down to nothing, if you went down to nothing back then, you know, early on in my career, if the team that was losing to nothing, they're going out and they're trying to change momentum with a fight, you know? So that, that was a big, big difference. Just let that sink in for a second. You know, that Scott Stevens and Rick Tockett and these guys, you know, nervous going to play a game, you know, there's none of that anymore. It's totally gone. I was going to say that you notice a difference within 10 to 12 years. Yeah. Now it's got to be oh, it's totally gone. It's totally gone. Wow. Again, we were on here because we love hockey. I'm sure you guys, three guys agree. We all love hockey, you know, you know, and Hey, I agree. It got to the point where, you know, it just, every team had, it got to the point where it was like stupid where, just our tough guy would fight their tough guy. And that's all you had was one tough guy each, you know, which was dumb. But before that, leading up to that, when you had three or four guys that could play and really tough and could beat the shit out of you or whatever, it was a part of the chess mats. And, and you know, you know, what, what's going on? You know, now guys are just, there's, there's nothing to worry about. It's just totally changed, you know, like it or not. You know, I still love hockey. Don't get me wrong. I love it. And I love it till the day I die. But I wish they'd come back a little bit to something like that. But it's they're not gonna. That's yeah. A- well, it, we talked about this with Riley. It's why guys like Brad Marchand could go around slew footing guys because they yeah. don't have that Scott Stevens or Riley Cote. Totally. You know, 
putting you can do whatever, they can do whatever they want now. Nothing happens. I try explaining that to people, Mike, who don't really watch hockey. It's like, well, when things were like this, this is how it was. And now you got guys doing cheap stuff who the refs can't even catch, and you can't touch them because you're going to wind up. See, if you had these bigger guys, you know, setting the law straight, you wouldn't have to worry about this. But now you do because it's just yep. that that part of the league is no longer around. And I appreciated it back because that's when I started watching hockey in the early to mid '90s, and I missed those guys. And that that's I never knew that though. I, I thought those guys they came, they had a job to do, and they they were fine. It was how it was. But hearing a guy like Scott Stevens was a little bit nervous about, you know, playing the Flyers. I like it because it's the Flyers, but also like, wow, he was kind of badass. That's interesting to hear that he was kind of reserved a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, that part of the game is definitely gone now. Yeah, just think about those Flyers, Devils, Islanders, and Rangers teams. They had, Rick, and 10 guys that would kick the shit out of you and 10 guys that would score 70 to 100 points. No, that's great, what it was. It was a great mixture. We used to joke back then about some of those guys scoring goals. Like, well, he can, you know, look what I found. Like, that's not why he was on the ice, but we'll take it. Yeah. Right now, th- those guys who are just, you know, goons, really. And I hate saying that because I respect them, but it, that's just, it's just gone. It really is. Those guys, they don't have value anymore, unfortunately. And I, I do miss that at the game, but just goes into the whole CTE thing and what have you. Um, but I do want to ask you because I do find this impressive as the way I follow uh, hockey, especially nowadays. You played for two organizations for a while, but then after that, you were had like it's just a bunch of one year deals. It felt like yeah. what was it? What was it like? Not like having your uh, future up in the air. You have a family, you know, so you're all over the country at this point. You're playing for teams here and there. You don't know where your next teams that you're gonna city you're gonna live in is gonna be. And you don't know if you're going to have a job in the NHL itself. Like, what is it like always being on the edge like that? But at the same time, you lasted quite a while with these one-year deals. What, what, what was that whole adventure like? Well, it was a little different for me because, I, you know, I, I won early on in my career. And when you win a Stanley Cup and, you know, you go to the finals. Like, I went to the finals my, or the conference finals my first year. I didn't win a cup. And that success was in the playoffs every year. Then towards the end of your career, you get in your 30s. And then everybody wants that veteran guy. You know, so I always sort of knew, and it only happened a couple times where I got traded at the deadline because the team wasn't in the playoffs. And I knew when I was in my upper 30s, shit, man, if I, like I was with the Blackhawks after a year after the lockout. I'm like, man, you know, that was when Bill Wirtz was still there, the owner, and it was just a shit show in Chicago. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't make the playoffs. I'm probably not going to play again. And, you know, then I get traded to Colorado, have a good playoff run. Then I get signed, you know, and then, and then, go again with the Devils, have a good playoff run, and then I get signed by the Flyers. So it, was, uh, it, was a, it wasn't too nerve-wracking for us in the sense that going into the summer, we always knew we were going to be in September. Mm-hmm. You know, So I didn't have to worry about that. But then a couple times during the season, I had to worry, you know, come trade deadline, because if the team wasn't in the playoffs, you know, for a guy like me, I was a firm believer. If my team did well, uh, I never worried about the money or anything like that. I said, if I'm just on a winning team and help the team win – I'll be able to keep playing. And I ended up, you know, eighth round draft pick from 1987 lasted longer than I think everybody but one guy from that draft. Holy shit. I did not. Se- 17 seasons alone is an accomplishment. Like yeah. that's, I think you said you retired at age 40. 40, yeah. And then I, I came to camp again with the Flyers without a contract at 41. And I didn't make it. I, I didn't work out that hard that summer. And 
I'll never forget. I went right from training camp. Homer called me in at the end of training camp, and I went right from there right to coaching my boys. So, you know. Do you think that if you didn't have such playoff success early in your career that you would have lasted as long as you would have? I probably wouldn't have. There's no way. Because I also see that you were with – I know you didn't play for Nashville, but I do know that you were with the team. Yeah, I went – they signed me, I think, right after I was with Calgary. And uh, that's when I had a little blip in my career. But I went down to training camp there. And then right before the season started, I got traded to Edmonton. And then later – No question. I see you were – yeah, you were picked up by um, the Wild, was it? Yeah, I played for the Wild after Edmonton for four years with the Wild. It was great out there. You think a lot of that was because you were just the veteran player who had seen it all? Yeah, and you know what? I had a great year in Edmonton, and Doug Riseborough, who was with Edmonton, loved me, and he was the GM. And then when he hired Lemaire, I'm like, oh, this could be great because Lemaire is the one that got me up to the NHL when I was with the Devils. So I ended up playing for Lemaire for like seven years, you know? So I sort of knew I sort of knew I was getting picked up by then because McTavish and Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish called me in. You know, I was in my upper 30s and – you know, or, or mid thirties. I said, they were going to, you know, um, um, protect me and all that. And I was like, no problem. You know what I mean? And then, uh, got drafted by them and Lemaire called me. It was great. Had four great years there. Loved it. It's impressive. Uh, I, you know, a guy like that nowadays, I just don't think they would last. I, I just believe that, um, yeah, now, you mean the players like guys are in their mid twenties. Now what happened to me in my mid thirties has happened to guys in their mid twenties. Yeah, and it, and everybody's so big on analytics and drafting, and yeah. the guy, they want to see the guys they have. And I just feel like a guy, the career you had, I don't know if that'll happen again. You know, I just feel like they they opt for the young guy with quote unquote potential. Yeah, you know? because the the salary cap and all that is what screwed this up. You know, it's a young mm-hmm. league. Look at all these guys. Back in the day, if you had one rookie on your team, that was a lot. If you had two rookies on your team, that was like holy cow, no way. Yeah, absolutely. And you see teams now like their whole like bottom two lines are you know mixed in with rookies, and they're trading rookie for rookie just to give somebody a spark. And they're putting their whole team on some of these rookies sometimes. You know, with Buffalo and Edmonton, those guys are great, but you know they were still rookies at one point. So a guy like Jim Dowd at you know thirty eight, thirty nine, forty years old, still hanging in the league seems very unlikely. So I mean, you did go to oh seven oh eight, which is. Yeah, it was 10 years ago, but it really wasn't that long ago in the grand scheme of things. So it was, it was impressive in its own right. Yeah, like I said, I, I do not think that, you know, let's just think about the league right now. Guys get in their early 30s and they're done. And early, back then it was like 27 to 30, you know, mid-30s, you'd be in your prime. So I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's the salary cap. That's what it is. And they got to make room and the kids are coming in younger and younger and they got to play them right away, you know, and the way hockey is, you can now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Jim, let me, let me ask you, you played for an expansion team in 2000 in the Minnesota wild. Uh, yeah. Before I ask you about what it was like playing for them, what was it like seeing a team like Vegas last year in their first year, go all the way to the Stanley cup final? That was incredible. I thought we did well in Minnesota. Our third year in Minnesota as an expansion, we went to the conference finals. These guys in their first year, they freaking went to the Stanley Cup finals. Unbelievable. I thought they were going to win it. I thought for sure they were going to win it. Uh, But give Washington credit. That's great. But seeing that team, and then not only that, for them to do what they did this year again, I mean, this team's, I mean, 
Gerard Gallant's doing something right, and, and George McPhee and those guys, you know, yeah, they are. Exactly. I mean, we all know what happened in San Jose. Just a bizarre series. Oh yeah. You know, with uh, Vegas and San Jose. Vegas I mean, should have won that. I mean, was that the series where they had the four minute or the five minute power play and they scored yeah. a couple times? That but not only that, out. they were Vegas was up three games to one in the series, yeah. and then that was Game Seven. And they had a five-minute power play. They scored four goals. <laughs> they could have easily been back to the conference final. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, so they're it's amazing what they're doing. And it was so much fun to watch. And you mentioned that you guys went all the way to the conference final. I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, my third year in Minnesota, 03. Oh, third, third year, okay. We went to the conference finals. We actually were down three games to one to Colorado in the first round, came back and beat them. And then we were down to three games to one to Vancouver in the second round, came back and beat them. They lost to Anaheim who went on to win the cup that year. Oh, no, the Devils did, I think. God, the goddamn Devils again. Fuck, we can't get rid of them, huh? <laughs> you really can't get rid of them, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so playing for a, a brand-new team where everyone's kind of, you know, in the same room for the first time, what's that like? Um, No, it's great. I mean, everyone's fired up and excited. You know what I mean? It's like everyone's thinking the same thing. I could be the guy here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could be the guy. It's not like walking into a team when uh, you know, you know, walking into the team when you're when you're young and you're a rookie. It's an established team, you know. Okay, I got to work my way up the pecking order here. Everyone's thinking the same thing, man. All right, this is a new thing. This is a way to revive my career, keep it going, or whatever. That's really interesting. So, I mean, the the next question that I wanted to ask you was, uh, having been in so many different locker rooms. Uh, what's that like? Do you have to kind of find your, your niche or is it kind of like, hey, I'm Jim Dow, this is what I'm about and I'm going to do the same thing wherever I go? Do you, have to, do you have to kind of fit in somewhere or what's that like? Yeah, you definitely do. And it's a, it's a little combination of what you said because sometimes you walk into a team and, and you've never played with any of them. But for the most part, you know, you, you know somebody. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um. And then it all depends. Like, like I said, I went to the Flyers training camp in 07, 08 without a contract. You know, um, you know the story. Well, if you want me to tell you the whole story, I will. It's great. So, yeah, 06, 07, no, no, 05, 06, I'm in Colorado. We go to the, the fa. We go to the. Uh, we lost in the second round of the playoffs. But I had heard I got traded that year on the trade deadline from the Blackhawks to the uh, Colorado Avalanche. And I asked Dale Town, who was the GM of Chicago, you know, uh, hey, who did it come down to? Because I knew a few teams were trying to trade for me. He said, well, it came down to the Avalanche, the Flyers, and the Devils. I said, oh, what happened with the Flyers and the Devils? He said, oh, they dropped out at uh, you for a fifth round and a fourth round or something like that, whatever it was, something like that. I said, all right. So I went and played in Colorado, had a great end of the season, had a great playoff, and I was always looking to come back to Jersey. So – at the end of that season, I didn't even wait for July 1st. I was already 38. I was turning 39. I called Lamorella myself. You know, said, I don't want to come back. So, boom, that happened. I go play for the Devils. We go 06, 07. We lose in the second round to Tampa. And then Lou Lamorella around July, right before July 1st, you know, they got to make their decisions. That. He just calls me in. He says, Jimmy, you know, hey, listen, we – would love, love for you to start working for the organization. I said, ah, Lou, I really want to try to play another year. You know, let's, uh, let me see what I could do. He, he goes, all right. So we agreed. I said, listen, I'll, let me go see what's out there and I'll come back to you. You know, cause he was going to try to do something to, you know, to keep me or whatever. And I didn't call anybody else. I just, I directly didn't use my agent. I called Holmgren directly. Cause I knew he tried to trade for me two years before that. 
And I said, hey, I didn't call him Homer at the time because I didn't know him at that as, you know. <clears throat> I said, hey, Paul, you know, how you doing, Jimmy Dow? I said, hey, you know, I, I want to come play for you. I know you tried to trade for me a couple years ago. I want to come play for you. And he goes, all right, let me do this. We're actually looking for a right-handed veteran centerman. Hey, we're looking at Mike Eastwood um, and somebody else. He goes, listen, what I'll do is you come here. We're over the cap. Can't do anything with a contract round. But if you come here and do what you do, I'll make room for you. I said, done. I go, I'm not even talking to anybody else. So I called Lamorella right away. I said, he goes, all right, Jimmy, what do you got? I said, well, the Flyers. Before I could say anything else, he goes, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. <laughs> he goes, let me see what I could do. And then, he, and then it like, you know, a couple of days went by and home, Homer's texting me, calling me, Jimmy, I need, you know, I need an answer. I go back to Lulu, what do you got? He goes, give me another day or two, Jimmy. And then finally, yeah, he goes, listen, Jimmy, I, I just I can't do anything. He goes, you know, and he's real good friends with Homer. He goes, listen, he goes, he goes, best of luck. You know, you need anything, just let me know. So I called Homer back. I said, Homer, I'm in. I'm coming to camp, making the team. Go down to camp, and, you know, the rest is history. Make the team. He does – I did exactly what I'm supposed to do. He did exactly what he was supposed to do and had a great year. That's why I went back again at 41 without a – I'm thinking we went to the conference finals – Played, you know, five games, lost to the Penguins. I had a great role. I played all the time. I'm thinking I can get another year out of this. But it just wasn't meant to be, you know. There's a bunch of young guys that were just waiting to get in there, you know. That's actually – that's an amazing story. How great of a story is that, right? That's fantastic. I mean, you basically so, put yourself on the Flyers. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, went, I was exactly what they were looking for, and I did exactly what I needed to do in camp. Wow, that is amazing, especially a guy from North Jersey wanting to play for the Flyers. Yeah, right. I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. It took me about three weeks to get used to being down there with the Flyers because my father absolutely hated the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> my father was a, my father was a pro boxer, you know, so he just wanted to freaking fight all those guys. He <laughs> <laughs> oh, was a little guy. He was only like five seven. But he was a pro boxer and all that. And he just, he just, it was great, you know? Yeah. Oh, uh, it's too funny. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome story, man. Who would have ever thought? I, I, would, I didn't even think that you could do that. Now all these guys got the agents and this and that. Does that happen nowadays? I don't know. Very rarely, I'm, I'm sure. Well, know? when we look it up, all it tells us is, oh, uh, Jim Dowd signed a PTO with the Flyers. It yeah. makes it sound like you're completely disconnected. That's clearly not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty funny, man. That's that great. Funny. That's awesome. So I still have the list of teams in, in front of me here. I mean, you play for some pretty good hockey cities, man. I mean, ah, that's funny you say that. So people ask me all the time. I say, listen, 10 teams, what was the, your favorite? What was the worst? Obviously, the island was horrible. <laughs> just the timing. <laughs> and everything. They were just they were just in disarray. But, you know, you know, <clears throat> New Jersey, probably the worst, quote unquote, hockey city. But I'm from here. We won a cup and it was great. So it was awesome. Yeah, but I'm telling you. I, Anywhere in Canada is great. Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, you know, Montreal, incredible. You know, Minnesota, awesome. Chicago, awesome. You know, um, e everywhere I played was great. Uh -huh. Yeah, I'm Calgary. Looking, looking down the list here, I'm like, there's not one city where I wouldn't want to play. I mean, exactly. every city you went to is a hockey city. No, it's not like I'm with the Panthers, you know, or yeah. somewhere like that. Which, which the Panthers, I think, I think Dale Talon and Quinville could turn that around there. If they can't, nobody can. Hopefully not, but yeah, it looks like they will. <laughs> Especially because we wanted him as our head coach, but yeah, you know, that's yeah. There was huge rumors about that. I still don't know. I guess maybe a Florida thing. I don't know. And Dale Talon's down there. I heard he's I he's buddies with Dale Talon. Oh no, no, yeah, they're really close. 
Yeah, I heard that was part of it because apparently the Flyers offered more money like we always do. But uh, it is what it is, you know. He's probably got enough money. Oh, my God. Joe Quinville, he's doing okay for himself. <laughs> uh, so one more thing I wanted to ask you, Jim. You played in Germany for a year. <laughs> During the lockout? Yeah, Germany's got great beer. Rice beer. The hockey's actually not bad, but the way things are run is horseshit. Uh, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beautiful Hamburg, beautiful city. My wife got to come over for a little bit. Our boys were, I think, a year old and three at the time. Or, you know, two and four. I don't know what it was, but a beautiful place. I'll tell you, Germany is the most, it's the cleanest place we've ever been. Ever. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's awesome everywhere. Even the red light district, like it's spotless. Everywhere you go in Germany, spotless. The food is great. And again, the beer is awesome. I love that. That's the first thing that you said when I asked you about Germany was the yeah. beer. Do you so drink now, it out of the boot? Yeah. <laughs> yeah after, after a few, you are. Then you don't know where you are. <laughs> There's no hangover the next day. It's, uh, it's like, you know, I don't know what they do, but there's no headache the next day. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like that. It was great. You know, and it's, you know what, if you can stomach, you know, putting up with a, a, put it this way. If you've never been in the NHL and you're a minor leaguer over here and you go to Europe, no big deal. But if you're in the NHL for a long time and then you go over to Europe, it's like, oh boy, you forget, you know, nothing's like the NHL. That's interesting. It, it's incredible, you know. There's not one bad thing about the NHL playing in the NHL. So when you, when you went over there, what what was it like? Was it like the minors, or was it was it worse? Well, in Germany, you're allowed. All the other European leagues are only allowed four imports. So, but in Germany, you're allowed ten, I think it is, or twelve. So it was basically like an AHL team. Wow. It was awesome. A bunch of guys that had a cup of coffee, you know. And then Craig Johnson was there, who was NHLer. Mm-hmm. He was there with me. Um, but yeah, you'd had, you know, half your team was North Americans and the Germans can all speak English. So it's a little easier there mm-hmm. and other places. All right. So yeah, guys can go was a good experience. Yeah. Guys can go over to Europe. And pff, if you can suck it up and get used to the culture and all that, you can make yourself a great living play there for five, 10 years. Oh, wow. You know, tax-free money. It's great. Hmm. Well, like, I got to ask you one controversial question, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm just not a big Mike Milbury guy. So when you see him on, like, you know, him with Keith Jones or Jeremy Roenick, when you see him, do you just kind of, like, grimace a little bit? Like, oh, this guy. No, you know what? Actually, like I said, uh, you don't really want to bash people or whatever, but uh, he's actually sometimes he's not bad. You know what I mean? He's not bad. And I'm, <laughs> looking, at it, I'm looking at it from me having him, I'm looking at it from me having him as a head coach and a GM. And I only was two weeks there, and it was just a bad situation. And that was a time in my career where I didn't play well. And I don't, I've never blamed anything on anybody. My head and my mind just wasn't in it. And then on top of it, I go to Milbury, who wasn't helping it. You know what I mean? That's uh, what I mean. GM fires the coach. Now all of a sudden he's on the bench. Is that like, was that weird? <laughs> what was that like? Yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just, it's tough. Like he he got on the Flyers for something, and I just was like, does he even remember his time with the Islanders? Like, just, <laughs> no, nobody even talks about it. But you know what? <laughs> like I said, he's those guys. They got a good little him. Him and Jonesy got a good thing going on once in a while. You know what I mean? And Jr. Yeah. Too, man, you know all those guys that start out. Very few guys are like Patrick. He's just a natural at it. And <laughs> uh, but those other guys, man, they're really good to watch now. Jr.'s great to watch. You know. um, what the heck's his name? Um, Keith Jones, he's great to watch, you know. 
Yeah, I love, love it. it. Speaking of Speaking of JR, man, everybody uh, I talk to says that the dude's a character in and out of the locker room. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. So what's, what, uh, I know you had to deal with some characters of your own, I mean, being on all these teams, man. Any crazy practical jokes or shit go down in the locker room? Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's always stuff going on, you know, the old shaving cream and the towels every day, you know what I mean? <laughs> Guys would get real crazy though and put like dead fish in, in, in somebody's seat in their car and they, you know, uh, crazy. The old you know? dead fish in the car joke, huh? Oh, uh, yeah. You come out one day, guys, two back tires would be off his car. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you know, and it just, and then it would just, they try to figure out who did it and then he'd, he'd do it to this guy. He didn't do it to him. So it would just keep going. Next thing you know, you had five, six guys in on this thing. Like, you know, who's messing with me? Who's fucking with me, right? <laughs> <laughs> nah, but yeah, that's 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 one of the great things about, you know, I'm sure baseball, football, basketball, and hockey, you know, the four major sports. It's it's you're around these guys, it's your family, you know, for the season. And you gotta ha- you gotta do that stuff. You know, you just can't take it too far. Let me ask you, Jamex. I mean, you won the Stanley Cup, obviously, so I mean it's it's gonna be hard to top that memory, but looking back what what memories stick out to you the mo- as unique the unique memories because winning the Stanley Cup like I said would I would assume be the top, ultimate top memory what what memories stick out to you that you, that you enjoy uh, talking about uh, first, but as soon as you said this my first NHL goal in Quebec um do you remember it, how you felt do you remember the play are you kidding me it's like you like it's just incredible you're on cloud nine you know not only do you get to the NHL and then you get there. And, uh, and, and you, uh, and you score your first NHL goal. It was great. Can you, can you give us a, Riley Cote gave us a play-by-play of his, uh, his first and only NHL goal. Do you remember? Cause I, you scored more than one goal, obviously, but yeah, I was in, uh, I was on the ice for Cote. Oh yeah, that's right. You guys did play together. Yeah. It was in the third period. He scored. Yeah. For his goal, you were on the ice. I'm pretty sure I was. Yeah. That was in Philly. Holy shit. What a cool. That's a really nice move by Riley. Great move. Get the great hell out ball. of here. So, yeah, my first tennis goal was in Quebec. We had a cycle play, and then I cycled it. I'm in the – if you're looking at the Quebec goal, puck's in the left-hand corner. I pick up the puck. I cycle it to Zellapouk, and he cycles it to Garen. I think it was – or Garen cycled it to Zellapouk behind the net. I came around the top of the circle, even a little higher, straight down the slot, and boom, he just hit me, and I one-timed it. it one time over Jocelyn Tebos. Club. I was just going to ask, do you remember the goalie? Oh, what yeah. You do? <laughs> and that was the game. I don't know if you guys remember, but remember the Tony Twist-Mike Peluso fight? When, uh, if you look it up, it's 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 cringeworthy, but they were fighting, and Mike Peluso was going down. He was halfway down. His helmet came off, and Twist hit him with another one, and his head hit the ice, and all you heard was, was that, and the whole building went silent. And it was like, oh, and he had to stay over. It was, yeah, that was my uh, first NHL goal. It was my first game that year, my first NHL goal. Do you remember how you felt immediately after? Did you black out? Oh, yeah, you're like, you're <laughs> incredible, you know? Yeah, yeah you, you, can't even, you, you can't even fathom it. That's amazing, man. Well, how did you feel about that game two goal against Detroit? In yeah, another one. yeah, it was great. Minute 26 seconds left, 2-2. Oof. One winning goal. Winning goal? In Detroit. In Detroit, you know, and uh, ex-flyer Paul Coffey on the ice. <laughs> oh, was he really? Woo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, you just yeah, getting great. the jabs in everywhere tonight, Jim, ain't you? <laughs> he's a great guy, too. He's great. I, I actually I talked to him for the first time a couple months ago. He's up in Toronto uh, coaching hockey. Somehow I got connected with him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like Paul Coffey. Like, you know, I mean, that's Mark Howe was on that team. You know, wow. crazy. That team was – they won the President's Trophy that year, you know, Eisenman, all those guys, Probert, everybody. Insane. Wow. Those are some names, man. Those are some – those were some – you were on some amazing teams looking back over here. Holy shit. And if you look at hockey now and look at, which again, we all love it, right? We're not bashing. We all love hockey. But those teams back then, I mean. The, the, they would steamroll teams today. Oh, my God. The Flyers team with the Legion of Doom, that team wouldn't lose 10 games. No. Yeah, you go you back know. to some of those 80s teams, the same deal, like the Oilers yeah. and the Flyers. Like they just do all four lines of just talent. They wouldn't win. They wouldn't lose 10 games in the 80s. <laughs> You know, you saw teams like the the Blues and the Bruins in the in the Stanley Cup final uh, this year. I mean, I'm not I'm not sure how it is everywhere else, but you know, from from the Flyers fans that we interact with, you know, a lot of guys seem to be all about the speed and skill, and you know, size doesn't matter. And you know, for the for the occasional player, it doesn't. But to my to, to the point I'm making, teams like the Blues and and the Bruins in the Stanley Cup final, these are big heavy teams. You know, yeah, they they. They had a combination of everything. You still need size and strength. That'll never change. It's just there's more and more smaller guys, skilled guys, but they still have to bring, you know, they, they got to play hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you're not going to last. But yes, the fighting and all that is out of the game. What was it? Seven game series, Stanley Cup finals, not one fight. Fighting's out. So forget fighting, but you still have to be tough. Mm-hmm. Toughness has nothing to do with fighting. I mean, I love Craig Berube. He's great. After every round, I text him, you know, and he'd get right back to me. He's just a great guy. I was so happy for him. And he had that team going, boy. And when you have Tomas Steen on your fourth line, you know. Um, but like I said, you just mentioned, you you have to have, you know, uh, there's more bigger guys than ever, but there's more smaller guys than ever. It's a, just, it's a good combination now. I mean, the, the, the Bruins were the more quicker skilled team. Uh, the, the Blues just wore them down like they did everybody. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you saw a team like the Tampa Bay Lightning go down against a team like the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who grinded them down every single shift of every yeah. game and beat them four. What was it, four to one? Four nothing. Four they nothing. They swept yeah. them. Holy shit, that's right. Yeah, the Lightning are, the Lightning are basically the the Capitals right now before <laughs> the Cup. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they just can't um, get over the hump. You know, but yeah, you get get a. I mean. I'm looking forward to the Flyers season. Yeah, we we watch all the Flyers, you know, obviously the Devils, the Flyers, you know. Uh, but we're watching hockey every night here. Hey, the Metro, you know? the Metro's stacked, man. Unbelievable, packed. And I just want to see my boy JVR, man, stay healthy for 80 games because I truly believe he can get 100 points. Wow, 100 points, score, man. I think he can if he's if he's healthy the whole year and on the number one power play unit, he can get. Dude, no problem. Here would be I'm with you. I'm with you, Jimmy. But he's always he's hurt. He's I'm a big JVR fan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, they need him healthy, man. Everybody, Claude Giroux. You know, my last training camp there. I'm 41 years old. He's my line mate. I'm like, yeah, this kid's gonna be all right. He's 18 year old kid. <laughs> <laughs> he turned he's out okay. Line. I think. <laughs> I'm like 21 years older than or 22, whatever it was. Holy hey, shit, he's, a, he's an example of one of the guys who's who's not so big, man. He, he. I mean, you, you know better than we would, but we watched him his whole career. He, he's a guy that worked like nothing was given to him. He had, the, I think, he played with the Phantoms for for a year, maybe a half a year. 
worked his way onto the team, worked his way oh, up yeah. the lineup, became captain pretty much out of nowhere, I think. And, you know, he's a prime example of if you work and, and bust your ass, you know, you can get things yeah. done. Yep, and then his skill comes through. Like, you know, he has to play that way uh, as well. And then, and then I try to explain to kids these days, you don't have to run guys through the boards, but play hard, you know, take the body. You don't have to run guys through, and the puck's going to come to you. And that's when he's not taking – when he's not playing hard or taking the body – not necessarily running guys to the book, but the puck doesn't come to him if you watch next year, you know. But he's he's unbelievable. He's so much fun to watch. He makes everyone around him better. He's arguably one of the, the top flyers of all time, I think. Yeah, he's getting into that category, and there's a lot of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, let me see. What else do I have for you? What are, Do you guys got anything else for Jim? Well, I was going to say, if you uh, flyers playing the Devils, who are you cheering for? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Flyers, Devil. Depends on if I'm in uh, in the Devils alumni suite or the Flyers alumni suite. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, whoever the home team. And is. I can't root for a tie anymore because there's freaking shootouts. Yeah, How do you feel about too. that, by the way? It's not. It's so stupid. Shootouts. <laughs> but yeah. it is. What it is part of the game now. I, I, I'm, hey, believe me, I'm way better than I was nine years ago about it. I mean, my last year in Philly there, like, it's, it's just, it's, it is what it is. That's all you, I have to say, you know. You hate the shootouts, but do you like the three-on-three? Three? No. Well, three-on-three no. yeah, three is fun to watch. Like, it's definitely fun to watch. But it's weird, like, I don't understand. If you lose the game, I say you don't get any points. Two points for a win, one for a loss. Simple as that. Can't really you know? argue that. I mean, you got a point for what? Going for another period? Yeah, you get a point for losing. Yeah, I don't like yeah, that. I don't, I don't like that. But, you but, made it through the game point. What's that? I don't like that. You made it through the game point. Like, oh, you yeah, made it I, overtime. You get a point. I don't like that. Yeah, yeah man. that would uh, teams think differently. But again, I, I'm yeah. I'm over it. I've been over it for a while. You know what I mean? It's it's part of the game. I'm coaching youth hockey. I got to work on that stuff. You know, for some tournaments we go to and showcases because they are shootouts. But there's nothing best that everyone in sports know. Everybody knows the best playoffs are playoff hockey because of the overtime. Oh yeah, you got guys. Oh, every, yeah. every athlete will tell you the best playoffs are the Stanley Cup playoffs. Two months, yeah, got to win games. So stressful. Yeah, it's awful. The worst part is after the first two rounds, there's like only eight teams left. There's not games every other night. <laughs> yeah, maybe a good point. Like teams do change their strategy during the regular season. Like yo, yeah. Playoff race here. We got a two-one lead. Let's just shut it down. You know, let's just yeah. or, or we're tied. Let's just shut it down. Go to overtime. Get that one point. Like yeah, one point. I, I'd love to see them just for one year. Do two points for a win, one for a none, none. Two points for a win, none for a loss. No matter what. You know, I'd even settle for you know three points for a regulation win. You know, to, you know, make it worth more to win it before going to overtime because I don't think they're gonna revert. The NHL never re tends to revert. Like I don't even like their. Well, how do you feel about their playoff structure? How they like force the, uh, the how the divisions are. It's a lot different than it used to be. Uh, where it was almost like one through eight, and now they like force you to go through your division before, and like all the great matchups tend to be in the first round or two. Yeah. It's kind of. It's kind yeah, of like, you know, Carolina and Boston's your Eastern Conference Finals. It's like, eh. Yeah, well, like, for example, look at the Metro this year. It's going to be loaded. Every team's going to be really good. 
Yeah, so like the first two rounds are going to be bloodbaths. I mean, yeah. you could argue last year that Toronto and Boston were may have been the two best teams in the playoffs. You, I mean, besides Tampa, who got you know yeah, swept. Yeah. Two best teams. You in could the argue that that's a great Eastern Conference Finals, but you're seeing it in the first round. It's kind yeah. of strange. So I don't know. I don't think they'll revert back to it, but I totally agree with you about the the whole overtime thing. So it is what it is. What are you going to do? Oh yeah, exactly. Like I said, I'm I'm over it. I'm I'm uh. <laughs> I'm uh, 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 I'm past it. You know what I mean? Because like I said, my boys are into hockey. They're playing at a high level, and you know, I don't say uh, I'm I'm not a negative guy. So, but that being said, shootouts suck. <laughs> 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 the worst, the worst in, in the world junior, whatever they got it in those t- tournaments, they do shootouts to decide a winner. That's awful. Don't they have that in the Olympics too? Did it, yes, I remember yeah. that being done in the Olympics. You could do one guy shooting over and over again. Yeah, too. yeah. Canadian. I think Oshi got popular. Yes, yes, yes. And the same guy can shoot over and over. That's, you know. So anyway. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Guys, uh, wins it. It's a mini plot. You guys go to a ton of Flyers games? Oh, hell yeah, man. Nice. Oh, yeah. At least 10 a year. Oh, cool. I think, well, they, well. I, think I went to six or seven and they won maybe one this year. I actually had a good year this year. I went to I went to like seven games. I was like four, uh, five and uh, two, and but I set up I set up in the nosebleed so I can see everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got a brick wall behind me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That way you can stand. But yeah, we definitely go. We have a you know we're crazy. It is. I don't start any fights or anything, but it is what it is. No. Yeah. You know what though? It it feels different in there, and and. I don't want to keep bringing up the whole Snyder thing or whatever, but it just feels it feels different. I don't know about for you guys, Jack and Kyle, but do do you feel that when you go to the games, it doesn't feel the same, does it? It it, it was especially in the beginning of this year, but then because uh, I, I went to about thirteen or fourteen games this year, um, once they called up Carter Hart, it was right back into the raucous crowd that it was. Yeah. For years and years and years, because they had something, we all had something to root for. Yeah, I think that's so, I think that's what it was. Like they, I would notice when they were doing bad, they would like lay down, and with Schneider around, that just wouldn't happen. You know, they would be yeah. they'd be going after any free agent or trading for somebody. And if you know, Hart may have started the season if Snyder were still alive. So it wasn't it wasn't until Holgram stepped back in and was like, okay, we're gonna do things, we're gonna salvage the year. That I noticed there was a difference with the fans, but I, you know, before that happened, they they looked dead in the water, and I had that's just something yeah. I haven't seen in a long for time. For the first, for the first time in years, I actually went into the Wells Fargo Center when they weren't doing good, and before they called up Carter Hart, and those seats were empty, mm-hmm. and I've never seen that. Even it, like what Jimmy Dale was saying, even when they were the worst team in the league, there was still twenty thousand people in that yeah. stadium. Well, that's just it. Like, I, I think I noticed uh, – I think they played, like, Vegas or something one year, and I just noticed their Vegas scored, and it's like I could actually hear a significant amount of their fans. I'm like, whoa, this is Philly. Like, wait, what? what? <laughs> like, why, why am I hearing cheers for the other team scoring? That, that ain't right, you know? And oh, yeah. I feel like five, six, seven years ago, that just wasn't the case. You hear a pin drop when the other team scored. Oh, yeah. Quick question for you, Jim. We'll wrap up in a couple minutes here. Um, Flyers run an outdoor game. Have you have you ever been to any of the outdoor games? Yeah, actually, the uh, the what, uh, let me see. My last year was 0708. 
the first one I ever went to was a ball. I took my oldest son to the Flyers Boston oh, up in Boston. And then, or was it before that? I played in the outdoor game with the alumni. No shit. Oh, my whole family to that game. Yeah, I got a, one of my best pictures in my basement is the picture of our team, the alumni and Flyers alumni. I'm like, look at all these guys. Are like, eighty five percent of them are Hall of Famers. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know. So yeah, uh, you played up there then. Yeah, you played in an outdoor game. Yeah. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, I think I went up there for that one. Yeah. Yeah. That was, was, that was probably good. the best one, to tell you the truth, at Fenway. Yeah, that was when Duque got the breakaway early on, came in on Bertie Prant. Remember? That uh, was in 2016, wasn't it? No, no. I, I, I finished 07 08. I forget what year it was. But it was in Philly, outdoor game, and with the alumni. It was 45,000 people for the alumni game. Oh, yeah, I went to that one. I was there. And that was when Duque got the a first shift. He got a breakaway on Bernie Perrant, and he came down. He stabbed his pads. A, he shot it right in his pads. That was yeah. the first time Bernie Perron had pads on since he retired. Dude, I have a, I have a picture of that in, my, in this room right now. That's funny that you said yeah, that. Yeah, Duguay's great guy. Those guys, all those old guys respect each other. Great guys. Ron Duguay was great, man. He could have came in. He came in and he made it look awesome and he shot it right at his pads hard. Yeah, that's cool. Bernie saving the 45,000 fans went nuts. You, you played yeah. in that alumni game, you said? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Oh, wow. I don't, yeah. I don't think you're going to get that. In, I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't watched any other alumni games, but 40, 40, Plus thousand fans to watch an alumni game. Oh yeah, and that was all the Flyers doing, not the NHL. Ed Schneider and his crew put that together, and and you know what I mean. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I remember that. I don't know what you had. And the guys were there was a big thing, a lot of stuff that you don't even hear about. But some of the guys were pissed off because the players didn't get anything. Like, what do you mean, like money wise? Yeah, the, the, all the old alum, and you know, and forty five thousand fans. Wow. It was televised too. I, I did see. Yeah. It's oh, it was huge. Yeah. Bobby Park and, and Lindros, you know, they, and, the, and, the, and the same bench together. Like it was crazy. That was all. Uh, that was all like in good fun. No, there was nothing because I I don't know if you've seen the alumni game uh, with Detroit and uh, Toronto, but they started stick swinging at each other. I'm like, well, you guys are a little old for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Like you're back in the men's league, boys. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, they were going at it. I'm like, well, wait a second, guys. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Right here. Well, that's I mean, I think that's everything we got for you, Jim. Do you have anything, any plugs you want to put out there before we wrap up? No, man, just uh, that's it, man. Just just, just let's go. Flyers, <laughs> get Hopefully. off the start, man. The last 10 years, they go off to bad starts behind the eight ball. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, we want to be excited. We're, I think a lot of us, we were excited last year and things kind of didn't really pan out. So the feel, <laughs> I think at least from, from my perspective, is that people want to be excited, but they're not as optimistic this year. You know what I mean? I think they're frustrated. So oh, you know what? That's a good thing because they're always so super fired up and the team struggles in the beginning. Now they're like, ah, eh, now yeah. they'll probably rip it up. But they just need to get off to a good stuff first. Ten games, go like seven and three. Oh, Something I, I would love yeah. it. Stanley Cup if that have, happens. Have you ever yeah. met uh, any of the coaching staff they brought in? Like, you ever met Vignold or any of those guys? Um, no, I don't know Vignol. I don't know Mike Yeo, and I don't know Terrian, which I'm still a little baffled why they have three head coaches. Yeah, not alone. <laughs> do you, you want to speak to that? Because we thought the same thing. I don't understand have it. Have you ever been in a situation like that? 
No, no. You every team I've been on, you got the head coach, and then you have the assistant. He's not a freaking head coach. Head coach. These guys are three head coaches. Is that going to make things harder? You think? I, I don't know. I, I I don't think there's going to be any, anything in between. You know, but I think it's. Well, that's that's my question. Isn't there always one guy who's kind of like the guy you can talk to yeah. and be like, "That's the assistant coach. That's like your friggin' uncle." And all three of these guys seem to be defensive-minded hard asses, and that's why it's kind of like uh, I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, you have you know the deal is you have your father who you know when he raises his voice the third time you're in trouble. Like, okay, shit, that's dad. I better. And then you you have your uncle who says, "Hey, don't worry, it's okay." Uh, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. I mean, it just sounds like they spent a lot of money, which is like, oh, these are names, so people will come to see us because they're they're names. But as yeah. far as team building, I don't know. Yeah, so we'll see. I don't even know who. I mean, who are their other freaking? There's those three. Who's the goalie coach now? Uh, they retained whoever they had last year. That's all I know. Okay. I can't remember who it is, but it's the same guy. Yeah. yeah. But that's it, man. I just like I said, I, I honestly, uh, it's. It's a freaking awesome area down there. It's an awesome parking lot. It's an awesome arena for games. Just, you know, uh, Kerry Hart, right? He's the guy. Yeah, he better I wonder if he knows what's in store for him if he, if he can actually pull this off. He'll be God down there forever. Oh, my God. We call him the Savior already. Oh, He's yeah. He's been around for half a season. Yeah. Okay. He's We've one. waited He's long enough. One. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, Jim. Thanks for coming on, man. Hey, if you're ever down, give us a holler, man. We'd love to hang out, talk hockey with you. We could talk hockey with you forever, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. I'll uh, when I'm coming to a game, I'll hit you, hit you up on Twitter. All right, sounds good, man. Thanks again for coming on, and look forward to talking to you soon. All right, thanks, guys. You're welcome. Have a good thanks, night, Jim. Jim. It's been a pleasure. You too. See you, Jimmy. Bye, guys. What an awesome guy. Oh, he's so easy to talk to. Didn't he just seem like like like. He was just like one of us, I felt like. I felt like yeah, I was having sure. a conversation at the bar. Yeah. I feel like he could have talked forever. We're, we're still rolling, by the way, here. We'll, we'll probably maybe wrap up in like five minutes. What do you guys think? Fine with me. I don't want to go to another 90-minute episode like last week, do you? <laughs> I mean, Jim, There's nothing really to talk about. The Flyers have done nothing. It's, it's, there's nothing to old. talk about. There's one thing to talk about. I mean, we just had there's definitely one devil on here. There's only yeah. one thing. That's it. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, it's funny because it Jim Dowd. We should have asked him honestly because he's a Flyers and Devils guy. Uh, Devils traded a second uh, and a third. Uh, the years Barry, and they got the KHL MVP. I don't have him up in front of me right now, but the point is he's a KHL MVP. Uh, they, he's 27 years old. They signed in a two-year deal, relatively cheap. I think it's $4.5 million a year. Pretty much the same exact price the Flyers gave up for one year of Justin Braun. And I guess my whole take on the thing is, while I know that uh, the KHL guy might not pan out, if I'm giving up a second and third round pick, I want the ceiling of the guy I'm getting to be significantly higher than a one year of a defensive guy who had a bad year hoping to rebound. And I just think that this is another example, because P.K. Saban was the first example, of the Devils GM outshining our GM. And, yeah, they had a good value trade where this is probably what things Fletcher should have been doing, which he has not. So if the Devils add yet another player to their most likely top six, if not top nine, and get just a little bit better. 
that's that's where I am on that. What's who? Who's what's the guy's name though? Gustav? Gustav Snooze. <laughs> this is Gustav. my This is my point though. Like, uh, all right, maybe he'll be good, but who is he? You know, all we're hearing right now, it's kind of like all these like stories of, of a guy we've never seen. Let um, me ask you this though: When you draft somebody in the second or third round, do you really know who they are? Exactly, and and, and you know, I, I'm not. I, I agree. Well, did you know who Justin Braun was when he was traded for? I I did. I did. Liar. He was nothing. <laughs> he's nothing that's gonna be like, oh my god, we got Justin Braun. But I know who he is. He's he's solid defenseman. Um, not last year he wasn't. <laughs> that's my point. He was bad last year. When it's in his in his case notes of hoping for a rebound, it's like we gave up a second and a third for a guy who's hoping from a a team who's up against the cap and he's hoping to rebound. That's not it's, it. You compare a player to player, that's a different story. I'm talking about the trade itself. It just wasn't a good value trade. And that's where I want to be like, Fletcher, see, this what Shiro did here, this is a good value trade. It might not work out, which is your point. And I, I totally understand that. You know, you bring up the, all those guys, best player not in the NHL, Jacob Markstrom of the Vancouver Canucks, was named this once, and he's barely a starter. I get it. But at least the, the ceiling is high. The ceiling is, is you know, he could be a goal scorer. He could be a productive player. Where the ceiling with Justin Braun is uh, hopefully. Kinda, you know what you're getting with him now. A top four. That's just it. If I'm getting what NHL he gave us. defenseman. If I'm getting what he gave us last year, that's bad. A stay-at-home defenseman, that term has almost been eliminated from the league. Like, Here's the thing, think, though. Here's the why thing. do you think has such a hard system. time making the team? For, that's, a, that's all for a second and a third round pick, it's it's bad. But if and I, and I know like it's not fair to say if you take that out, they got a good hockey player. Like take that out for a second. Pretend the second and third didn't even exist for just one second. Okay, the Flyers bring in Justin Braun, solid player. He's gonna help the defense, and it looks okay. Now you add in they had to give up a second and third to get him. Now you're like, don't really like Justin Braun that much, right? It kind of it kind of sways your perception of him a little bit, or it changes how you feel, right? And and I agree because it does that for me too. And giving up a second, a third for Justin Braun, I'm not saying that they, it's a good deal. No way. Um, but from from what I've read and and you know how it makes sense is I think there was other teams in on Justin Braun, uh, Braun. and the and what Fletcher did, and this is still not justifying what he gave up, but I think he overpaid to get the guy. Which, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad or one way or the other. But, you know, maybe that explains what happened there a little bit. But this Gusev guy, um, he looks good. Everything sounds great, right? Nikita Gusev, go get him. Uh, Vegas can't afford him or he's not going to sign there. And it looks like New Jersey gave up second and third for, you know, potentially a good player. Okay. There was only one other team in on it, apparently. And that was uh, Columbus, from what I've read. From what I've seen, if it's true or not, you know, I don't know. It's only what what's out there. Why was there only two teams in on him? You know, and, and if he's that good, 4.5 is, it's it's decent. You know, you, there's, I feel like there's 100 other guys in the league that get paid around 3.5, 4, 4.5 million. It's a two-year contract. It's kind of like, all right, let's see how he pans out. If they truly believed in him, wouldn't they have given him like a four or five, four or five-year deal? Just, just throwing these thoughts out there. I mean, Second and a third round pick. You're the New Jersey Devils. 
No, there's not going to be anybody coming out to watch Devils games. So they got to go out and get a Subban. They got to go out and get a Gusev. You know, they have to go out and bring in a Hall. Because like we talked about with, with Jimmy Dow, like nobody gives a fuck about the Devils. And, and I'm not, you know, second and third for Gusev. I, I guess they got a deal. I guess. Let's see what he does. Um, I put out a, a tweet, 17 goals in the KHL last year. 17 goals in the KHL? I mean, if he's playing with better talent in the NHL, I guess it's possible he scores more. 20 more games in a season, I guess it's possible he scores more. Um, I think he led the league in points over there. Is that correct, Jack? He was an yeah, MVP. I don't know if he led in points, but he won the MVP. So yeah, whatever yeah. he did was, you know. Yeah, you got to be a pretty good player. Um, I'm not saying that he's bad. I'm not. I'm really not saying that he's a bad player. Do I think he's going to tear up the NHL? Nah, I really don't. Um, he'll probably put up 45, 55 points, and that'll be the end of Gusev. I, I think. But, you know. Um, Listen, I'm, if he puts up 55 points, like, Jesus Christ, that's pretty impressive. Like, especially coming over from the Ru- Russia. Like, think about that. That's how many assists, how many goals compared to Justin Braun, what he's – what the – like, if he Two does what he did players, last – man. It is. <laughs> But I don't think Braun, he had a bad year, and the team's up against the cap. You gave up a second and a third? Like, Jesus Christ, what is that? And honestly, I never heard of any other team being in on Braun. That's me personally. I didn't go looking for it. But I I heard that several teams were trying to trade, and Flyers were one of them before they made all their moves for Gusev, simply because Vegas was up against the, the cap. But they signed the guy the second he finished the KHL, uh, and won the MVP. They, they signed him to an entry-level deal thinking they can make room. You're, you're looking at ceilings here? Like, you got a guy who had a bad year. He's 32 years old versus a guy who's 27. Maybe see what he has. And he, he, he was the top guy in the other, the second-best league in the world. Like, yeah, he might not be a stud here, but he could be a pretty good contributor. Where Braun, you're hoping he just can hold his weight. And he's only a stopgap. It's not even about player versus player. It's about value. I just don't like the value when you think what both players could possibly bring. And the key word is possibly. I understand, like, it's not going to be, you know, you get one's a defenseman, one's a forward. But, like, one of them could significantly add to your offensive woes where you're hoping Braun can just hold his own at this point. And you gave up the same for both players. Like it's kind of it just it's just the value's not there. I think the Devils did okay, and the Flyers gave up too much. That that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and I, I agree with that. Yep. I could be completely wrong. I mean, Braun could like refine his game, and uh, what's his name from the KHL could just you know not it might not work here. It could not work. But Nikolai Zherev. Uh, it, 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 it's oh one of those God, things. Jared, I had to think who you said for a second. No, there's there's other names Another too. KHL superstar that did nothing. Well, he was draft. He was an NHL draft pick by the Rangers. I do remember that. But you know, some guys can pull together. Other guys, you know, Sergei Bobrovsky was brought over from Russia. He wasn't even drafted. Holgram just found him. He's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like it works both ways. You know, and it's like I like a guy who has some kind of potential over a guy who's probably over the hill. And you're hoping he can give you one year. So, I mean, it's just, when you look at the value of it, it's the Devils made a better trade. That's all it is. I think their GM made has made better, quote, trades, plural, 
than Fletcher has. And this guy is in the Metro with us. And the it's, it's not it's not that out of the realm that other people who look outside of the city who aren't Flyers fans and look at the Metro as a whole rank the Rangers and Devils above the Flyers. It's moves like this where we could have had a better team had things been done differently. Now, you know, the out-of-touch Flyers fan will just tell me I'm just bitching for the sake of bitching, but I don't look at it that way. I play a lot of fantasy. I look at value. I've, I know what I'm talking about, and that result, at least I think I do. Um, and it's it's just I don't understand why we paid so heavily for what Braun is. And then I look what the same price got the Devils, and I'm like, well, why didn't we do that? You know, not maybe not that exact player, but why didn't we make a better trade? Is it's really all is really my whole point. I don't really care that we didn't get the KHL guy. It's more about we paid the same price. We each each team paid fifty bucks. What they got, and we we what we got. I'm like, well, why didn't we get more for our fifty bucks? That's what I'm saying, and that's what bothers me about Fletcher. Like, you know, we were a this, need. There's we have oodles of defensemen. And it's like you're gonna. Yeah, apparently, our management ain't very confident in. So you're gonna. But he, all right. Say you wanted Braun. Why do Why do you have to give up so much? The team. The I sharks didn't are. Say I want him. The oh, sharks okay. are. The sharks are right up against the cap. I, I honestly, I did not. I did never. Nobody. Hey why Jack, I, I feel like you think we're arguing that it was a good deal for Braun. Nobody's arguing it was a good deal for Braun. We oh, we overpaid for Braun. We all we well, all that's agree. That's really all I'm saying. It's bad asset management. Like, why? You when somebody else, another team makes it essentially gives up the same draft capital and brings in somebody with higher potential than you got. You got to question it. You got to because I'm worried about the deals he's going to make in the future. And okay, let's say other teams were in on Braun that drove up the price. Then you need to look elsewhere. There's other teams that have cap issues. There, he, Fletcher said it himself. This is a quote from Fletcher. There are many teams with in cap trouble. We're looking for the best possible deal. He blew his load right away, so we're, we're not in cap trouble, but we don't have room for anybody else. And, and that's where I have an issue with it. I, I don't. I think there could have been a, a better move could have been made. Is what I'm at for a defenseman. For yeah, defenseman for anything. Because if you make a better move for a third-line winger, maybe you're doing something else on defense. Maybe you're moving ghosts. Maybe you're doing this. Maybe you're doing that. Every little move affects the entire structure of the team. So I just feel like something better could have been done had he had a better grasp on his picks and his prospects. And instead, I mean, yeah, are we different than last year? Are we better? Yeah. But by how much? Are we even a playoff team? Maybe we have no cap left, so how do we suddenly become a playoff contender or uh, a cup contender? That's that's where the disconnect is with me. Where is that player going to come from? Is we need Noel Patrick to become a superstar? Because if he does, we can't pay him. Cap's gone. So like I, I just I'm at a disconnect there with how we're going to jump from a play unless, unless this team comes out of the gate and is clearly a cup contending team which I think even you two can admit that's probably not going to happen. What gets us to the next level? Cause the cap is gone and this is who we spent our money on and our draft picks on where a guy like in the KHL. Yeah. Odds are he probably doesn't pan out. He probably doesn't become a superstar, but at least there's a chance Braun, you know what you got. He's a bottom four defenseman 
and you're hoping he's a stay-at-home defenseman, which that term is slowly being eliminated from hockey. They, they, those guys just don't pan out anymore. They just they don't last. You need guys who can move the puck. It is what it is. If San Jose felt he was so vital and their their cup window is now, why'd they let him go? Because they just signed like, Carlson for $10 million a year. Well, that's what I'm saying. They they had they got Carlson and they didn't win the cup. And if he if Braun is so important to winning the cup and they re-sign Carlson and let Braun go, how how good could Braun possibly be? No, I, mean, I who are you going to keep, Carlson or, or Justin Braun? I, 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 <laughs> I understand that. But what what, what true value does Braun? What value has Braun brought you at all? That he's been with the Sharks forever. They've never done anything. They've never won the cup. Like they've never they they are you, saying Braun, are you saying Braun at any point in his career was labeled an 80 90 point player? He's not like, that type of defenseman, but where's the value? Expl- you explain to me where's the value and then I'll understand. He's going to We didn't defense. give up a first round pick for the dude. He's going to play defense. He's a solid defenseman. We needed a solid defenseman. I we disagree. got a solid defenseman. He's not a solid defenseman. He had a he the the Sharks got outshot one and bad year. The Sharks the Sharks got outshot and outscored last year with him on the ice. That's a fact. That's not of one good. bad year. So, because of one bad year, he's not a good defenseman. That so, was by last your by that, that last same year. thought process, years by old. that same thought, thought process, Provorov's never going to be anything because he had a bad year. Provorov is twenty-three years old. This guy's thirty-two. He's going to magically get better. If anything, he's trending downwards. That's how this league works. Once you hit your thirties, look out. We just talked to Jim Dowd. He said the same thing himself. If he if he Braun was younger, I would be okay with that. Maybe he's got to figure things out. He's 32 years old. You gave up a second and a third after he had a, a bad season. Like, why are you giving up so much draft capital for this guy? Uh, yeah, I shouldn't. I'm not comparing him to Carlson. That's a to, they're told two totally different defensemen. My point is, the Sharks saw no value in the guy and decided let's get rid of him. We we need to make room to sign Thornton and Pavelski, who are also 38 and 40 years old. But they still provide value. He doesn't clearly provide value. From, and he's from, from what I read, he, they didn't want to move him. But somebody offers you a second and a third for Justin Braun. It's like, well, we kind of need the cap space, and we like the second and a third. Well, you, you just you just said it right there. They needed the cap space anyway. They may have, quote-unquote, liked him statistically, analytically. The, the, last year, That's the, he was bad. They need the cap space, and they get overpaid for him. So what? That's terrible from our perspective. They didn't just come out and be like, "Oh, we're going to give you a second and a third. Like they probably had to beat out other teams. I mean, I never, I didn't hear that at all. But if you're, if you reaches a point where you have to say, "This is too much for this player. I need to look elsewhere." Why didn't they do that? They just, they had to win. Is that what it was? They had to beat everybody else. The guy's got one year left on his deal. Apparently, he was their guy. Maybe that's what they like. Well, we'll find out if they're right, but. Like I said, do you really look at this team and see a, a Stanley Cup contender? No, not this year. So how do you add to this team and make them a Stanley Cup contender because the cap is gone? I only have to do it next year. Has to have. We're not a Cup contender this year, so what it's, does it matter? So how do you become a Cup contender? You have no cap left. It comes off the books next year. It's gone. Like 14, 15 million next year. No, okay, so now you got to resign. You got to, you, I've done, gone down this list. You got to resign. You're going to resign Provorov Konechny this year. You're going to have nothing left. You're going to save, what, three and a half million dollars from Braun. You're going to have to resign. But we're talking about Braun specifically here, right? Exactly. I don't understand how he makes you. He's gone after this year, so it makes no difference. If we're not a cup contender this year, 
then what's the difference? So why are you giving up a second and a third for a guy who's not going to do anything for you, who's really going to push you, put you over the edge? What is the point in Braun? I'm no, I'm not the GM of the Flyers, dude. That's my <laughs> point. I'm worried about the GM of the Flyers. Yep. Like, what, what is the, the overall point of this move? I just think that we're harping on it a little more than we should be. It doesn't matter. I feel at the end like, of the day, that second round pick didn't. Who'd that second round pick become? Because we still got Bobby Brink, a guy higher up than that pick. No, I mean that. But Carter Hart was taken in the second round. Second round picks are valuable. I meant to like you could have taken. There was other guys I liked in the second round too. You need to add younger players because you can't afford the guys you have now, especially with the cap issue with signing Hayes. The Hayes move is really going to screw them over. How are you going to re-sign in two years, Carter Hart? Sandheim and whoever the hell else. And then you're going to have to pay Coots. Then you're going to have to pay Drew. Then you're going to have to pay Nolan Patrick. Like, how is this going to work out exactly? It's not. And if you're going to give up a second and a third for this year for Braun, who is nothing more than a stopgap defenseman, and you're not a playoff team, why are you giving up so much? Why wouldn't you look elsewhere? I, I just don't understand. I, I, if you got the guy for a fifth or a fourth, okay. You gave up too much. It's my only point. You look at the team as a whole, yes, we're different, but I feel like you gave up too much to make change for the sake of just making change. And that's that's what that's what Dowd was getting at with like Snyder wouldn't do that, but you got a corporate in here who's well, he's different and he was on a team that went to the playoffs. Let's get this guy in here. It doesn't make him any good. He had a bad year. How do you are not in negotiations say this guy had a bad year? Why am I giving up so much? It, I just I've seen other teams move second round picks and get legitimate players back, and this is all we got. And then I don't know this, this. The best I have to compare to that is what the Devils just did, essentially giving up the same, and getting a guy who could be, who potentially at least there's potential there. There's no potential with Braun. He's 32 years old. You know what you got, and it's going off last year. It's not very good. So you're hoping that he so, can to what you toe just the said, line. I mean, the whole team. And we keep we the whole season. All we've said is potential, potential. We don't know what anybody is. So I mean, bringing in guys like Niskanen and Braun, they're not flashy names by any means. But what what they could bring is some form of consistency, some form of defensive consistent. You know what I'm looking for here? I mean, I, I don't want to fucking have to guess with every single player on the team. I don't want to have to wonder is Nolan Patrick going to finally break out? Is Gossesberg going to play defense tonight? Is, is Ivan Provorov going to actually play like a man? Or you know what I mean? Like with these guys, I feel like you know, okay, Justin Braun's going to come in tonight. He's going to play solid defense. Uh, Matt Neskinen's going to come in tonight. He's going to play solid defense. You know what I mean? Whereas if you have a guy like Gudis, he's going to turn the fucking puck over five times in a row in, in the same sequence. You know what I'm saying? Or, yeah, or uh, no, Andy it's, McDonald's, it's, he's going to fall on his ass. And, and go well, anybody's better than McDonald's. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, do, do you know what I'm trying to get at? I mean, these guys, are they're not superstars. Believe me, I'm not excited for Justin Brown, uh, Justin Braun. Or, or Matt Niskanen. I'm like, okay, they brought in some defensive guys. You know what you're getting with them. Did they overpay? Possibly for both. Yeah. But if these are the guys, you know, if these are the guys he specifically wanted to bring in, I can only assume he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's looking for. Doesn't mean, I mean, maybe he, he overpaid. Yes. Like, I, I can't stress. Like, I agree. But I have to assume that he had these guys pegged for a reason brought him in for a reason, both on winning teams, both in winning cultures, bring them in. They know what they're looking at. You know you know what you're going to get out of them. And let's see. Second and third round picks. I'm trying to look up who the hell. Was the second round pick this year for the Sharks? 
that we gave up? Yeah. No, it's next year. We gave up this year's second, but the, uh, last next year's third. That's next why we had third. to trade yeah. back for the second to get Bobby Brink. I'm trying to freaking see who they got with the with that pick. Well, I mean, ultimately, you're not even if you know the name or you don't, you're not going to know if the player's going to be any good. That's what I mean. But, so who like I don't give but, a shit about a second round pick, honestly. I second, I start to other picks. I'm a little whatever, but like Alex DeBrincat, Carter Hart, those guys were second round picks. There's a lot of talent that can be found in the second. Bobby, everybody's going crazy about Bobby Brink, like myself included. He was. They used uh, the second they got to trade up to get him. So like, I actually like what he did in the draft, outside of not taking the best player available. But like, he still did some things. So I want to shit on him completely. But I don't like bad value deals. If you do enough of those, you will deplete your team into not that good. You won't have much. And it just. But I mean, it, just, it was only one year of it. One, all the, one move. All the more reason. Why are you giving We're up a second and like, third? You know, we should burn down the Fargo over it. Well, second and the third, and the guy's only on a one-year deal. It seems kind of sick. Like, it is what it is, though. It's over with. We're just going to have to see what happens. Well, I was over with until I saw the Devils make a similar trade and get do better. <laughs> that's what, that's what brought it back, back up, huh? A hundred percent. That's what brought it back up. You need, you saw, we need a Flyers, uh, Flyers therapy episode. I think this week. I'm telling. You, I heard, that's, what, that's what I'm getting at. I don't. I just. It just. I don't. I don't know. You're giving up a second and a third for a guy who's going to have a a stopgap year and then be on his way, and he might not even be that good. That's the scary part. He had a bad year last year. Come on, man. Like he's, he's a stay-at-home be defenseman. Than McDonald and Gudis, and I and I know what's gonna come. We'll give up the second. I don't know if he'll be guy. better than Gudis. He I don't know. Be. I I he'll be better than McDonald, but McDonald shouldn't. He's an anomaly to the whole system. He shouldn't have been on the team for years. We're so, we're and, so know, warped into thinking guys like Radko Gudis are good because the defense has sucked, and Radko Gudis is not good. He's not. He really didn't have a bad player. year last year. Dude, come on though. But he's fucking Radko Gudis. Gudis had a good year last hey, year. Teams were considering guys. a first-round pick for him at the deadline. Yeah, you guys, you guys can talk all the shit you want, but my dog's named after him. So, okay, right, Gudis, and you guys, you're the two who like grit more than me. And Gudis had that. Uh, from what I heard, Braun don't have that. Yeah, no, not, have nobody on the Flyers Grit. Listen, even if he didn't throw his fists or anything, people, t- players still worried about him. Oh, Nobody's man. worrying about Braun because from what I read, he's pretty soft. Yeah, he stays at home, but he's, he's not killing anybody. They need and guys that can play defense. I think I think bottom line, they need guys that can play defense. Like yeah, you, you I mean, replace, listen. You replace McDonald, Gudis. Who's the other uh, joker that's been playing? Uh, Hag. Hague. Yeah, you replace those three with actual NHL defensemen. And, and I think that's a huge thing. And I don't want to go too much longer here, guys. We're on an hour and 34 minutes. Uh, I think that's a huge fucking deal. Like, we have an NHL roster. Like, we don't have schlubs like Jory Laterra or, or um, give me some other morons, Dale Weiss skating yeah. in circles or, 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 you know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah, is a legit roster from top to bottom. And, and we didn't give up, uh, Fletcher didn't give up any prospects. He didn't give up any first-round picks. If the worst thing that he did, and, and I know there's some other kind of questionable moves, if the worst thing that he does is give up a second and a third round pick for a decent NHL defenseman, and I'm just going to say decent, and you know we'll say that to you're the stretching peak. it, right? Okay, we could say I'm stretching it with decent. If he can give you solid NHL minutes, make no mistakes, and support 
whoever the hell he's going to play with. Minimum mistakes. Make minimal mistakes, whatever. Um, helps make a guy like Shane Gossespierre look better. You know, would, would you take that as a win? If he gave me that, yeah, but there's nothing about last year that tells me he's going to give me that. I don't know who he played. One year! Who did he play last year? It was last year. It's, it wasn't like it was two One years, two year. years ago. Dude, he he's 32. This looks you like know? he's trending. This looks like he's starting to fall off. This is how it happens with players. And it was last year. It wasn't like it was then three fine. years ago. Then fine. Let him suck and play somebody else. I don't – I'm done arguing. That's a, that's a terrible <laughs> trade, man. You can't be doing that. That's how the guys get fired. Yes, it's a if terrible trade. If tired of arguing, that means it's time to it's, wrap up. It's Listen, the worst trade ever in the history of the NHL. So it's, let's it's let's just Fletcher's leave it on first, that. It's the Flyers GM. Ooh, yeah. a big <laughs> sample size there. That's my point. And more to come. Listen, you joke Gigantic about it all you want. Size. It was a bad value trade, regardless. Even if he's not halfway decent, it's still a bad. Uh, hang trade. on. He should have bought him for less. It's it's flat out. I should have gotten him for less. He should have. He should have. He didn't. It's over. Okay, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if we didn't have Jim Dowd on, that could be the uh, the title of the episode. But unfortunately, <laughs> actually, fortunately, we did have Jim Dowd on. We're coming up on an hour and thirty seven minutes, guys. As much as I would love to keep talking flyers all night, we do have to wrap up at some point. If there's anyone still listening, which I hope there are, probably not. Thanks for listening. Hope you guys enjoyed. We'll be back next Tuesday with Brandon Holmes of Dauber Prospects. I'm looking forward to talking to Brandon and chatting up some prospects. So for Kyle, Jack, I'm Angry Jim, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Final thoughts on the Braun trade. Yeah.